episode number 79 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on August the 2nd, 2020. My name's Eric, I'm the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and a few more ham operators on the show now, as far as I know, and a computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I've witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared and better look after themselves for at least 72 hours. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. Alan? Alan? You're muted. <laughs> All right. Well, Alan's on mute. I'll go ahead and introduce myself. Uh, my name is Tyler, and I live in Northwest Wisconsin. Uh, besides preparedness, I also enjoy homesteading, metalworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. All right, want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air? You can buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help to keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook. I'm Alan. I'm under uh, some pretty nasty weather right now, so if you can't hear me, that's why. Um, I'm also now a ham radio operator, safety trainer, first responder, and security expert, overall safety nerd. Better late than never. Slightly lagged, but that's okay. All right, so if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. We want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's a topic you want us to cover, uh, email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some uh, blacked out content for you in this episode. Yes, uh, we're up to 79 terrible jokes. Uh, we're going to start off first with some preparedness-related news articles, and we're going to let you know what we did for our preparedness since the last episode, and we're going to get into the main topic of dealing with power outages. So let's move into some news. We'll see how lagged Alan is. If you can hear me, ah. um, a New Brunswick woman was lost in the woods for a couple of weeks. She was uh, she went missing from an ATV trail. They found her phone, and they found her eventually uh, a little while longer without much uh, worse for wear. She was eventually found by some linemen doing some maintenance on power lines, and she survived by finding berries and drinking puddle water. Um, we could do an entire show unpacking what she could have done differently and how you could prepare for such things in the future, but uh, suffice it to say... Um, look for man-made structures and somebody will eventually come along to maintain them. True. Yeah. Or, of course, you can always knock around something that, you know, sets off an alarm when it goes offline, in which case somebody will come looking to fix it. Or point find two. a road and follow it, right? It's <laughs> 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 always that. All right, so for myself, uh, tornado warning for Ontario, which I guess is affecting Alan as we speak, but uh, mostly around the Barrie, Ontario and, and kind of northeast area. Nope. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a big thing. It's uh, as we speak, so... Uh, Ottawa Gatineau, maybe it might take out Parliament if we're lucky. Oh, I, that's for entertainment <laughs> purposes only, joke. That's, that's uh, Monday's podcast. That's right. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, murder hornets. Oh, my. So they found their first uh, murder hornet in Washington State in a uh, bee trap, which, you know, we, I thought they'd actually drop that story after they mentioned it about three times, and then, you know, COVID kind of took over everything. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, they finally got their first hornet, murder hornet coming up, uh, approaching BC. So I just had to kind of giggle. It's like one now. At yes. least it's a trap. That's good. I remember hearing stories about the. Well, they dropped them from the original storyline, but now that they're running out of other stuff to talk about, they're coming. They're revisiting it. It's like it's going to become a recurring character. Yeah. 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 It's like North Korea, but murder hornets. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. No articles um, for me today. Yeah. So if you guys remember seven months ago, it feels like seven years ago now, back in January, uh, when the United States, uh, I believe it was Trump, ordered the uh, assassination of Iranian General Soleimani. 
Uh, and there was kind of a whole lot of memes going back and forth about World War Three, everything like that. Um, and I, I believe Iran kind of promised to retaliate. Well, it, it seems that now maybe they're finally fulfilling that promise. Uh, here's a headline from Business Insider four days ago. Iran fired missiles at a replica U.S. aircraft carrier in the Strait of Hormuz in an attempt to show off its military strength. Uh, so maybe a little delayed from the coronavirus, but uh, message heard loud, message heard loud and clear, I guess. <laughs> um, and amongst other uh, poor foreign relations to announce, um, this is a article from the Washington Post. China pledges to retaliate after U.S. orders closure of its consulate in Houston. Uh, so it's been pretty well known for a while that China has been basically hacking and stealing technology. Uh, from the United States, and Donald Trump finally uh, ordered the closure of the U.S. consulate in Houston, which is kind of their main headquarters. And that very same day, there was, uh, if you to go to the article, you can see the fire fire trucks outside. There was people in the courtyard just burning documents and barrels and stuff that same day. Um, so lots of fun stuff going on down here in the States. Sounds like it. Yeah. Let's That's see. it for news. <clears throat> what we've done lately for preps. So for myself, uh, I wasn't here last episode. I was uh, out on Crown Land. We uh, have a little fishing spot that we go to usually once a year in September, but we decided we'd uh, mix things up a little bit and go out in uh, July this year. So spent four days out there. Um, we usually bring some food with us because we don't plan on just eating whatever we can find every night we're out there, but we do uh, plan at least one night where we have to catch our food or we're not eating. So, uh, yeah, it worked out well. I had a great fish fry that night. Um, so that was good. And uh, besides that, I have been all over the place for work and uh, getting the house ready for renovations because we are uh, taking on a huge project and moving some walls and redoing pretty much the entire interior of the house. So, yes, we're crazy. We have a nine-month-old and we're doing a major house renovation. <laughs> but yeah. we'll get well, to I guess your stress level wasn't high enough for your liking or something? Or? Yeah. No, it was, okay. it was starting to come back down. So I figured I'd just ramp it right back up. <laughs> well, just have a pair, like, to get some twins or something, you know, that'll just take care of your spare time. And Easy, easy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, a message from Alan said his internet's out because the, the curse the clouds type of thing. But uh, yeah, sadly, the internet it has its shortcomings. So mm -hmm. that ah. does. Yeah. So for myself, uh, I finished my winter wood supply uh, about two months earlier than I normally do, which is good thanks to COVID. So um, it's all stocked away for the winter and happily drying underneath cover. And yeah, I, it's, it's actually fantastic to have that done way ahead of time instead of scrambling at the last minute to make sure I get it all undercover. Uh, let's see here. I did a couple CGN deals just for some parts, mainly because um, ever since Bill Blair has gone on his little rampage of banning stuff, he mentioned to the CBSA that uh, some AR-15 parts are banned. And so the customs agency took that to mean that all AR-15 parts are banned. But the problem is a lot of these parts go on various other types of firearms. So now all of a sudden there's this mass panic going on. Uh, there's no parts, no ammo, and, and very few firearms coming in uh, to Canada especially, but also a shortage in, in the States, I imagine, on Tyler's end yeah. as well. Yep, huge shortage. There is the, the shelves for everything are just completely wiped clean down here. Yeah, <clears> so, I mean, thanks to Canadian Gun Nuts, I mean, there's there's lots of parts. If you need spare parts or anything, you can usually get it had uh, secondhand at a discount, and there's still a supply there for now. So. Mm -hmm. Um, see, I arranged a couple guests for the next few months. Uh, might have somebody coming on to talk about solar in the next little while, and also a uh, nice lady coming on to talk about some uh, various types of uh, freeze-dried foods. Okay. Anyway, so those uh, more on that next uh, later this month, and I do believe next month as well. So, yeah, it'll be good. I'm excited yeah. for that. 
Yeah, so I uh, planted some more perennials, uh, just food-bearing items in the uh, the closed-off chicken run. So I closed off another chicken run that we uh, no longer use. Uh, made sure the fences are all good to keep the current chickens out and the alpacas, of course. And uh, yeah, so I, I managed to plunk some seeds in, even though it's late in the season for us here. But I mean, stuff grows until November anyways, and I'll come back you know, by February, so it's all good. Um, arranged sales for some chickens. Like I got a, a friend that's recently taken a serious look at prepping because of the COVID. And I got sold him some chickens about, about three months ago, and now he wanted a specific breed, and I managed to get a third party involved and sold him some more chickens. So we had a meet and, meet and greet at our place and uh, did the chicken deal, so to speak. Um, reloaded some 9mm uh, for the range day that's coming up soon. Thanks. And, yeah, I got some supplies to collect more roof rainwater off uh, one of my shed roofs, uh, this, the steel roof there. So I just got some, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, uh, they call that the gutter and a couple downspouts and some other uh, uh, piping involved just to kind of feed into the same uh, holding pan as before. So that'll increase the rainwater collection efficiency anyway. And then uh, one last thing, I started using this app called Strava, which is incredibly invasive as far as privacy goes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is horrible. But uh, the good news is it's hyper accurate GPS mapping and elevation tracking. So um, it actually, if you want to like, you know, mark out your property or actually see where you're going and compare it to satellite maps. So sometimes you can't see through it through the bush. It's actually really good for doing that. So just, oh. um, there's a few other guys from a couple other podcasts that are using it or comparing notes. Cause we're trying to do like a, uh, what they call the, the partisan challenge to get a certain amount of exercise every day. And it's a little bit of positive feedback as far as go, uh, you know, encouraging everybody else to exercise. And, uh, I'll use it for a little while then I'll probably soon thereafter toss it. Cause it's just, like I said, it, tracks your movements worse than the COVID app, I think. So <laughs> maybe it, it tracks it the same as the COVID app. Yeah, exactly. It's probably the same software, just rebranded with a, uh, an exercise friendly packaging or something. So, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a neat thing. It's just, it's like I said, hyper accurate. You can even see where I actually like stopped and went swimming with the dogs and then got back up and then it's, it's, it's that accurate. It's crazy. Well, yeah, it's scary. It's scary accurate. Yeah. So, uh, it does a vertical profile too, which is nice when you're in the, the hills here. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So Strava app, it's, it's interesting. It's free. And like I said, if, if it's free, you know who the product yep. is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's it. Uh, that's it for me. So I don't know. I think Alan's going to have to skip. So we'll go straight to Tyler. Yeah. yeah uh, so much like Ian, I finished cutting and splitting firewood for the season. Uh, I put up about another six cords. So now I've got enough for both this winter and next. Uh, I got that stacked and ready to burn under the woodshed. Um, had a flat tire on the skid loader and the old tires were pretty bald. So I went ahead and ordered a set of four new ones and got those mounted, uh, just in time because I had loads of gravel dropped off, uh, early last week. So I've spent a good part of the last week now, uh, shoveling and moving gravel, gravel around with the skid loader. And I just finished that up today. Uh, also ordered 25 egg lane, uh, chicks. They're going to be delivered here in about two weeks. Um, so slowly continuing to work on getting the poultry coop ready. And uh, this week I was able to get the doors for going around the shed. I'm going to have separate poultry runs. So I built five gates to get in between all the fencing and stuff and then uh, mounted those onto the side of the shed. And uh, besides that, my wife's been canning and pickling almost every day stuff from the garden. So I try to help her out when I can, keep her happy. And that's been about it for me. Oh, nice. Well, let's, uh, let's move into the main topic then. All right. So uh, I guess nothing feels worse than when that power goes out at various times when you really don't want it to go out. And even if you're a prepper, it's like, uh, it's like losing your right arm, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it always goes out at the most worst time. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. We've talked about before lessons learned from that uh, two day power outage I had before. So um, it's actually interesting. Like you don't need as much power as you think to run a lot of stuff. So I uh, I start to think about like uh, ways around power outages, and there's uh, there's various things to do with the power outages. You can, you can prepare for, I guess. So a couple things that uh, if you're doing a ham radio license, you would know this as well, of course, is that <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Ohm's law, you know that uh, volts times amps equals watts. So if you're looking at like something like a little LED light bulb like this one, that have come down amazingly in price compared to the way oh, they used to be. Ever. Yep. Yeah. So uh, surprisingly, they don't use a whole lot. So they only use 9.5 watts. Um, and so it, when you think about it, if you have like a 2000 watt generator, you can literally run like a schwack of these, like 200 light bulbs, if you really had to, like if you had a, I don't know, seasonal affective disorder or something and needed some extra <laughs> light. Um, so yeah, it's amazing what 2000 watts will get you. I mean, to compare, I mean, a hairdryer uses 1500 watts and this is 10 watts, which is amazing. And then um, your freezer doesn't use as much as you would think. So like, I actually just took a look at this one next to me here. It's a 575 watt when it's running. Uh, that it uses nothing, right? So it only comes on and cycles on once about every couple hours, right? Depending on how hot it is. So when you're thinking about how much power you have to replace, I guess you got to think about what items you want to power during a power outage and uh, how often they're going to be turning on or needing to be used. And uh, that, uh, that's a good starting point to think about how much power you're going to need. Yeah, it's a, there's there's a lot of planning that goes into to figuring out what you need power-wise, but once you figure it out, then you can size out a generator if that's the way you want to go or your solar panels. But, but definitely that's the point to start at is how much do I actually need to consume and what do I actually need to run versus what can I deal without? Yeah. So, I mean, like if you're in an apartment, you're not going to want to run a gas generator on your deck because you don't want to be no. that guy. And yeah. <laughs> there's also some offset considerations and everything else. So a couple ways around that, of course, even a solar panel is a little bit yep. conspicuous. Um, although that would work if you had a solar panel, a battery, a charge controller and an inverter, I suppose you could work it all out or you could just get what they call a, um, a portable power station. So, like, uh, I think Jackery and Kodiak and a couple other ones make it. It's basically just a big, giant suitcase looking. It looks like a Honda generator, but it's just basically a bunch of batteries with an inverter built in. Um, so, you'd have to charge them ahead of time, but they are definitely quiet during a power range that keeps, yeah. uh, you know, keeps everything powered as required. Probably power your fridge for a little while, but not for very long. But maybe if you only have to run it for a few hours a day, it might work for a couple days. Yeah, at least keep your stuff cold for, yeah, like you said, a couple days, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, for those people that uh, really want to keep it on the down low, your car can be used as a generator when you think about it between your cigarette lighters and you can always uh, figure out like an inverter for the cigarette lighters and power some stuff like laptops as required, but uh, not overly efficient, but it's there. It's an option. It's an option. Yeah. Um, the other thing you can start thinking about, I think uh, we all have some show and tell here as well, but I mean, everything from the little battery bank that you carry in your, your suitcase or whatever for your uh, cell phones that are good to uh, recharge your cell phone a few times. Um, those are pretty available. There's also the hiking version, which has a solar panel built in and uh, will power your, probably charge your phone about three or four times and it has a couple outlets. And then, of course, if you have it in the sun, you can also recharge it over time. And then uh, other things that you might have to use in a power outage is like the uh, the ambient weather solar-powered crank radio. Uh, assuming, yes. Assuming your kids haven't broken the crank, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can crank it or use solar power or the in, in-house battery to keep it powered. But either way, it's, uh, it's one thing to deal with a power outage to get information. Mm-hmm. from the uh, the biased media sources as required. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, at least it's something that will help you in the case of a power outage. It's, it's always there and always ready to be used. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as far as generators, guys, uh, generators go, I was surprised that my little uh, EU2000i from Honda 
only puts out 2,000 watts nominal. I think it's a little bit more in a surge. But it actually can cover everything I need. It can cover like a couple freezers that are cycling on and off at different times and the fridge mm -hmm. and a few lights and still manage to power like everything I need with something that's really quiet and doesn't burn a whole lot of gas. I was actually surprised. Yeah. I, I was expecting a big screaming demon that was going to require like one of those big champion ones, but surprisingly not. I'm, I'm surprised at how quiet the Honda ones are. Yeah, they re you, you pay a lot more for them, but they really are a lot nicer. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, like, uh, even during shearing day, that's what we used to power because there's nowhere near a plug when we're shearing the animals, and it's more than enough to handle the clippers, that's for sure. And it just yep. uh, it spools right down to, like, the idle setting, basically, when yep. it's running the, the clippers. So. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, the nice thing is it's, uh, yeah, it spools up as required for power rec uh, yep. requirements, so if it needs a lot, it'll turn speed up, and if not, it'll slow right down, and it turns down to its point where it's sipping gas, I guess, right? And speaking so, of using car for a generator, we actually ended up having to do that um, on that little camping trip I was talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I take my boat out with us, and it needs a battery to, to start and run. And, of course, we get out. Battery's toast. It's like, ah, okay, well, it's, we're putting our heads together trying to figure out how are we going to you know, boost this thing, get it running, get it moving. Well, I happened to bring my extension cord with me. We had an inverter, plug the inverter into the cigarette lighter, run the extension cord to the boat. We had to run it for about an hour or so to get a good charge into it, but charged it enough to, to spark the uh, spark the motor and make her go. So it, it works. It, it's like you said, it's not, uh, it is not overly efficient, but got the job done, got us on the water and made sure that we had a good fish fry. So mm -hmm. ah, Exactly. And of yeah. course, once the engine's running, it'll start charging the battery on its own anyway. Exactly. So. Yep. Yeah. So I guess the nice thing yeah. is with the, uh, in case power is you don't need to run your generator all the time. It's just uh, personally, when we were out for a couple of days there, we just uh, you know turned on the generator every few hours, made sure that we had everything hooked into it that we wanted to charge up. And so it would run the freezers, it would charge the cell phones, everything all at once. Um, you're probably used to seeing these uh, uninterruptible power supplies sitting around for your computers, yep. Eric. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I've got one sitting right here. Yeah, so they're the same idea as the, the, you know, the, the power stations. It's basically a battery and an inverter and um, the nice thing is if you have your cell phones plugged into those and the UPS into the generator that's going to charge the generator will charge the UPS batteries, which will also charge yep. your cell phone batteries all at the same time. Um, and the nice thing is if you're actually like hatching chicks even, one of these UPSs are nice that if you, uh, you know, the power goes out, they'll keep the incubator going, which yep. we uh, we had a couple times. It's, uh, it's a fantastic little system for sure. Well, yeah, they're great. They're handy and they'll, they'll last, you know, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, depending on what you're powering and get you through for a little bit. Yeah, I think for us it was actually uh, it was burning more energy just running the in-house fan that it had on it. <laughs> it was just like charging the, uh, the the phones and running the incubator. But, yeah. uh, you know, especially if it's something that's critical like that, you don't want to lose power at the wrong moment, right? No, definitely not. That's part of our renovation plans is to have the uh, the backup generator we have here in the house re uh, reconfigured to run a few different things that it doesn't run right now. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it'll be handy. Well, it's also something to be said for it, you know, maybe not coming on automatically unless you're not home. But I mean, like maybe having a choice of whether or not it comes on, depending on the noise level. Right. But uh, like, can you separate your house from the grid when that thing comes online or how does it work? Uh, so it just, uh, after 10 seconds of the uh, the main grid power going, it just switches over to the generator panel. Mm -hmm. And the generator fires up, runs, and it powers the, the panel. Anything that's connected to the generator panel gets powered. And then once the main power comes back on, it flicks back over to the main panel. So, wow. Yeah. Does it automatically shut down as well? Yeah. Auto, auto shut down everything. Yeah. It just fire. Wow. It does its own thing. That's nice. It's handy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for us that are the poor is like myself, like we don't have anything fancy like that. So, uh, <laughs> a lot to be said it, for it everything. Came, you know. came with the house. Came with I, the house. 
Yeah, I know. Well, it's not cheap to put in, though, are they? No, they're, they're about 10, 10 to 14 grand to put in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty pricey. So yep. a lot to be said about having like a separated section of your panel from the grid. Like if you if you're able to actually like isolate something, so you don't like backfeed into the the grid because you don't mm-hmm. want like damage any power line workers or anything yep. else. But um, even if like for example, if you had like an Atco trailer with a dedicated like just extension cord running into your generator, you could actually like have an isolated trailer. That'd be one thing to have as an alternate thing if the power's out for any length of time. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So I've got a I've got a nine thousand watt uh, from Harbor Freight, one of their Predator generators, and that was originally my plan. Exactly where you're thinking, I would I would be able to just wheel it outside when the power's out, plug in like a two twenty cord uh, somewhere on the house, and then that would feed, you know, X amount of breaker circuits inside the house, mainly the ones that are plugged into the fridge and the few freezers we've got and things like that, the furnace, well pump, uh, water heater, and stuff like that. But I, Got the generator and then come to find that it's like, I pay, I mean, it was a little over 500 for the generator, I think. And it was like $1,200 minimum to get uh, an electrician to come out and install the transfer switch and isolate a few breakers like you're talking about. So uh, long story short, I've got like six or eight heavy duty extension cords laying around that I can just run to my fridges and freezers if need be. Uh, luckily, I haven't, I haven't had a power outage since I got the generator and haven't needed to use it. But that's yes. my short term solution because... But but then again, once once that plugs there, any you know any other generator down the road, you can simply plug into that, and and that that would also protect you from maybe power surges from something else or or something like that. But yeah, definitely something to be said about having that isolated uh, breaker panel or whatever you might call it. So of course that's how it always goes, right? You buy a generator, and then the power is not going to go out for a couple of years. Yep. So everybody <laughs> just listening, go out and buy a generator. Yep. You're not going to worry about power outages. Exactly. That's what it seems like. <clears throat> well, I think it's that like that movie Take Shelter, where the guy builds the entire tornado shelter and goes full prepper, and then nothing happens. And he starts laughing at him. He finally gives up. Just as he gives up, there's something on the horizon that looks like Armageddon's happening, and it's yeah, <laughs> it's proven right after all. It was like actually a pretty mainstream movie a few years ago. But um, anyways, yeah. So like I was gonna say, like uh, maybe a dedicated power line into your tornado shelter uh, that's separated from you know, the rest of your house might be an idea, like Tyler was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like those transfer switches will isolate your house. Uh, also, your main breaker will too. But then, of course, you have to worry about wiring issues as well um, in order to do that. But I mean, it's a thought, right? Uh, one thing people can do that's fairly easy too, if especially if you live in a super cold climate, like it does get quite cold in winter, is uh, figure out how to get a power line from your generator outside into your house without letting weather in. So I mean, maybe it's just like a, uh, a seal for the window. Um, because there's no point in having like a heater running off of a generator with a window cracked open. So if you had a way to like seal off the window and still get the power line through it, it'd be one thing or have like a dedicated pass through on a power line just to uh, minimize uh, your, your heat loss. That's a good point. Yeah. That's pretty much all I had. As far as that uh, goes, like there's so many little tools you can buy out there. Like I think even the, uh, the BioLite stove, I mean, you can get one of these little things here that like, if you're willing to burn wood, you can, charge stuff slowly as well but again not good for apartment prepping <laughs> not even good for town really when you yeah. think about it but good for camping i mean yeah. but uh yeah i mean if, if things got really haywire i suppose you could use that but uh yeah there's uh, tons of ways to generate power you just have to be imagine uh, use your imagination a little bit mm-hmm. that's pretty much all i had for now yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's all kinds of different options <laughs> for for getting power to your house that you just have to kind of research them and and know them ahead of time because once power goes out, that's not the time to start scrambling and trying to figure out how to power things. Well, right. especially because that UPS, like I was mentioning there, like we try to keep it charged up. But yeah, if you leave it unplugged so it doesn't go off, you know, until you actually need it, yeah, it's it 
does lose power over time and you don't want to sit there and have uh, discover that the UPS battery's empty as, as well yep. as everything else. You want to make sure they all stay topped up as well, yeah. right? And hey, that, that brings us back to something we, we say quite often in pretty much every other episode. Test your equipment. So, you know, if, uh, while you still got main grid power, test your generator. Hook it up. Kill the power to your house. Hook the generator up as you think you would when the power is actually out. Make sure things run the way you think it's actually going to run. No better way to test when you've got a you know a safety blanket of the main grid running still because mm-hmm. you can just flip back to the main grid and everything's fine, right? Especially if something doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the time to find out that nothing's going to work or it's going to work perfectly is when you've got that uh, that safety net to fall back on when the power is actually there. Well, yeah, because a Honda generator, if you're if you're drawing too much power off the generator, uh, you'll actually burn it out. Yep. And there's a little warning light that comes on and says, "Hey, you're you're drawing too much." Um, and you got about 15 seconds before the generator is toast and it's not like you're going to take it to the service center at that point. So no. <laughs> if, the, if you're actually in a power outage situation. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. good idea to, to test your stuff. And, and even with the, um, like the UPSs, it's a good idea to test them every, every month. Just make sure that they, they run and run them through some of them through self-testing. Uh, some of them you, you'll want to check your manual for, because some of them you have to do the manual testing yourself to make sure all the circuitry inside is working and that the battery is actually going to, to work for you. And they'll start to beep after a certain amount of time. If they are self-testing, they'll start to do that wonderful beep, beep, beep at you and say, hey, battery's dying in this thing. D- don't ignore the beeps. Let's try and tell you something. Time mm-hmm. to get a new battery. Well, just like fire alarms, right? If they start beeping, yep. beeping randomly. Yeah, just pull the battery. It's fine. <laughs> I'll set Alan off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so for me, uh, I guess just like kind of starting with the power outage, first thing I would do is sort of assess the situation, um, kind of think about why is the power out? Are, are you in the middle of a tornado storm, windstorm, blizzard, something like that? Are, are, you, know, are you expecting a power outage? Um, if you're not expecting a power outage, uh, even just today, literally my wife and I were sitting eating lunch this afternoon, and the power just went out for like 10 seconds, no idea why. And right away, I'm like, okay, is there electrical fire going on? Something like that. So if you're not expecting a power outage, there's not inclement weather outside. Good thing to do is just check the breaker panel inside the house. Make sure it's not sparking, anything like that. Uh, Make sure you and everyone else know how to at least shut the main power off. So let's say maybe there's an outlet on the wall that's got a crossed wire or something and starts to spark and maybe starts a little fire. You can shut the power off. Um, So look, smell, listen for possible electric fires. Um, depending on where you're at, like I'm pretty, I'm out in the country, pretty far off the road. So I've got actually a fairly long, uh, it's like a stringer line to my power lines or from the power lines up to the house. So that would be a good spot to check, make sure there's not any trees down on that. Uh, maybe if you're in the cities and the power went out, uh, take a look outside, make sure the transformer right above your apartment isn't uh, exploding and throwing sparks all over the place. Uh, something like that, or, you know, lightning strike hasn't hit anything like that. Uh, the next thing I would do would probably be call the power company or we got a, an electric co-op out here. Um, they'll usually be able to give you a pretty accurate uh, kind of ETA on when the power is going to come back on. And uh, if you do see any power lines down, anything like that, call the non-emergency police line or maybe call 911 if it, if it needs to be. But um, just report those down power lines or fallen trees, any poles that, that have been down, anything like that. Well, actually, the, even BC Hydro here has a... Uh a website where you go on there to report a power outage and you okay. can report it there and they do it by map as well. It'll actually right. tell you if crews have been assigned, what the problem was, the ETA for when it's done and everything else. So if you know you still have your cell phone, at least you can check it by that. Yeah, yeah and, we've got the same thing here. Hydro One's got that exact same thing and the, you can even sign up for a, a text message notification that the power is out in your area. 
and they'll give you the idea of when it might be back. And and usually they're they're pretty pretty close on when they're going to get things restored. Mm-hmm. That was a great point too, Tyler, on, on making sure that it's not actually something wrong in your house because we're all very quick to just assume that it's, oh yeah, you know, a, a power line's down or maybe an accident happened and a pole got knocked over or something. Mm-hmm. You're not, not anyone I really talk to thinks right away, well, maybe there's an electrical problem in my house that's going to cause a further problem shortly. Yep. It's just like, oh yeah, well, there's a line somewhere and Hydro's going to look after it. I'll just carry on my day. Yep. Great yep. point to make sure that your house is actually not the one causing the problem. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty easy to tell if there's an electrical fire going on. Usually it's smoldering and like light smoke be coming out of the wall, somewhere like that. And it's usually got a pretty distinct smell. It's oh, yeah. basically, you know, it's it's usually wires melting. So it's rubber insulated wires melting. It smells like burnt rubber almost. Yep. Um, yeah, it is very, very distinct. Yeah. Uh, we talked quite a bit about, <laughs> sorry. We talked quite a bit about uh, backup power generation, uh, specifically generators. Um so the one I've got is just gas run, but uh, there also are multi-fuels out there. Uh, you can get ones that run on like kerosene or propane. Um, obviously, if you've got nothing but money to spend, you could go get a solar setup uh, or like a wind turbine setup to, to feed your own you know, battery bank in the basement and power your whole house. Uh, that's probably what we all dream of here, but uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you're, looking, you're looking at tens of thousands of dollars probably to do that. Um, geothermal is also an option, especially when it comes to heating and cooling. Uh, that's a pretty, uh, interesting technology. I wish I could speak more about it. I don't know a whole lot, but I know you're basically harnessing that, that median temperature of the, of the ground. Was it six feet down? It's like a constant 50 or 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So you're basically taking that heating your cooling your yeah. house with that. Well, the rule of thumb is basically once you go 15 feet down, it's basically the mean average temperature of your area, so whatever that may be, okay. that's what it's sitting at. So, wow. nice. um, And the high level idea is, that I guess, that you get below the permafrost as well if you're up north, which is good. Right, yep. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, so, like, generally in a hotter climate, it's going to be warmer, but it, it's supposed to mm-hmm. moderate. So in, in the summer, it's supposed to provide a little bit of cooling. In the winter, it's going to, like, it won't heat your house completely, but it will augment it enough yeah. to the point where you don't have to spend a whole lot of energy heating your house. Right, exactly. So instead of uh, 2,000 or 3,000 watts to run your heater, you're running, you know, 300 watts to do a little water pump or a fan or whatever it might be. Um, and I guess I, I know down here, at least for a long time, there was like government kickbacks and incentive programs for uh, solar, wind, and geothermal. Um, so if you are thinking of, you know, building a new house or building a new property, wherever it might be, you know, I would say that's probably the time to think about some of these things because there are. Uh, at least there were a lot of incentive programs out there for these. So, and they're, they're a lot cheaper to put in when you're when you're building than they are after the fact. You're not trying to dig out ground and run lines and everything like that. So, yeah, um, time nobody else wants to spend any money is when they're building the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the first first thing I would worry about after power power outage would be refrigeration. Um, so probably just avoid opening the fridge freezer as much as you can. Uh, helps to keep them both the fridge and the freezer kind of full. Make sure it's not just much air in there. I know a lot of people will even just fill water bottles uh, and keep those frozen in there. And then if you do have a power outage, bam, there you've got you know 30 one-gallon jugs of water in there. You can pull those out after the you know let's say you've got a 10-day power outage or something crazy like that happens or infinite power outage. Now you've got all that water in the fridge. It's gonna it's gonna help keep all that that food in there much longer as well. Um, That's a good point. It's basically like a thermal mass, uh, you know, just, it's a, it's a cooling effect, right? 
Yep, exactly. And you're going to be, you know, if you do have a backup generator or something like that, you're going to be, you're not going to need to run that generator as often uh, with a full fridge or, free, you know, freezer. Um, and depending on the scenario, scenario, you know, if you can get a hold of your power power company, your co-op, and you find out that power is going to be on in six hours, you don't need to worry about it. If it's 24 hours, eh, some things in the fridge might be a little dicey, you know. If you're looking at two, three days, you know, even some of your freezer stuff might go bad if you're trying to go in there and get things. So, you know, when the power does out, does go out, try to figure out what's going on, how long it's going to be. And then from there, you kind of need to plan, you know, okay, I can keep my fridge freezer going for two days uh, or three days. And after that, the food's bad. So maybe, maybe if you do have a bunch of meat in there and you've got a smoker, now's the time to start smoking the meat or whatever it might be. Figure out, how, you know, figure out how to use up that food in there. Uh, try to try to waste as little as possible, I guess. Well, also, I think if you have more than one refrigeration unit, you want to make sure you cycle them through at different times so that they, uh, they don't all come at once if you have limited wattage available in your generator. Yeah. Because, so, yep. um, yeah, they won't, if they're all running at once, they're going to have a huge draw, but if they're all running at opposite times, it's, it's actually a lower requirement. So Exactly. And and that's you can save a lot of money on, on your initial generator purchase thinking about those things ahead of time. Okay, I've got two freezers, two fridges, and okay, combined, they would all need 10,000 watts or 5,000 watts to run. Well, you can run two for an hour, unplug those, and then plug the other two in for an hour. And and now you're getting by on, you know, half capacity, basically. And, and there's a big difference between starting and running wattage, and those are things you kind of need to look into on your appliances at a time. So that's a good point. Uh, so after refrigeration, I would say being uh, where it gets really cold in winter, uh, like probably both of you guys, uh, heating and cooling would be my next biggest worry. Um, in terms of a cold climate, really an indoor wood stove is your only like long-term sustainable solution. Uh, even an outdoor wood stove like I've got here, that's what I primarily heat with is an outdoor wood stove. I, I still need electricity. It basically just circulates hot water from the wood stove into the house and then it blows through the blows that hot air through a furnace fan um so it requires electricity to run all that stuff not a lot but it still needs to it still needs electricity to operate um i did install an indoor wood stove as a backup for that exact reason because it's something you can do cheap and i happen to have the chimney already there so easy peasy uh something else i thought about when i moved in here right in this room in the corner this is an addition so there's no ductwork in here but they've got like a little propane stove in the corner hooked up to a separate thermostat right here. Well, I replaced this thermostat and I found out that you can get battery operated thermostats so I can still run that little propane stove in the corner even without electricity. And, and that's going to apply to your ovens as well. You know, the propane's still flowing. That doesn't require electricity. It's a pressurized tank flowing into a, a stove or a, you know, propane fireplace. So you just need an ignition source. Like on your kitchen stove, you can just do that manually with a lighter. If you have a gas stove, you can just turn the gas on and manually light it with a grill lighter. Uh, be careful, obviously, because there's gas coming out of there. But, uh, you know, if you know what you're doing, it's not going to, like, blow up in your face. Um, and same thing goes for this little wood stove or propane stove in the corner here. Uh, I got a bat battery-operated thermostat now. It's still got a main wire, but if the power goes out, it's got a battery backup, so I can still operate that little propane stove in the corner. Good to know. Didn't know yeah. something existed. Mm -hmm. Nice. And then uh, I know I talked about it enough. Uh, prior podcast, but I've also got uh, DeWalt actually makes like a little cordless propane torpedo heater that runs on their 20 volt battery system. That thing works awesome. We've been using it to heat uh, the little garage that's underneath this addition. 
Um, and as far as heating and cooling, uh, the other biggest thing, just have lots of blankets, uh, good winter attire, hats, gloves, boots, snow jackets. If you are facing like a two or three day power outage, if you're hunkered down inside with a few blankets and huddled up, you, you know, you'll at least survive even if it's really cold. Um, uh, after heating and cooling, I would say water is probably the next thing I'm worried about. And uh, the biggest thing is to just have water stored. Uh, there's a lot of different options you can do. I know a popular one is uh, like the water bobs here. It's like a little plastic tub liner and it's even got like a little pump on it. So uh, if, let's say, yeah, let's say, you know, there's, you know, tornadoes coming through. You're, you're sure the power is going to go out or there's a huge blizzard coming. Um, maybe that's a good time to throw the water bob in or in, even if you don't have one of those, you can still fill up the tub with water. You can use that water for a lot of other things. You might not want to drink it without purifying it, but just having water stored on hand is going to save you a lot of hassle. Um, I'm on my own well here, so I can, you know, I've got backup power. I can plug that into the, to the generator and still pump water up if I need it. Um, if you're on city water, you know, depending on the system, you might have water for days or, or a week or whatever it might be. But um, if you have water stored in the closet or wherever you can store it, you know, you've got water, you know, you don't have to worry about electricity being able to pump it to your house and pump it through the faucets, everything like that. Uh, if you need to, you can scout lakes and streams nearby. Um, it's not a bad idea to know where you can get water. Um, if you, like I said, if, if you know there's a big blizzard coming and you're going to bed for the night, maybe it's not a bad idea if you've got a few larger pots or pans just to fill them up with water and set them on the stove. Uh, if you wake up when the power's out, hey, you've got a couple of gallons of water to drink and it's not going to cost you a dime. Um, after water, I would say plumbing is the next issue to think about. Uh, same thing, you need water. Uh, toilets, for the most part, as far as I know, all work off gravity. So as long as there's water in the tank behind the toilet, uh, you can flush the handle and it's going to flush out. Um, you know, here we've got our own septic system. If you're in, if you're in town, it's going to pump it out to the, to the main sewage line or whatever, I suppose. But as long as you can keep the tank on your toilet flow, you can, full, you can continue to flush the toilet and, you know, use your indoor toilet. And that's going to probably be your at least most comfortable solution. Well, plus you stay a hero to your family too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's surprising how many people don't actually know that. You can just dump water in there and continue to use it. Yeah, I know. It's pretty awesome, especially, like, it depends. If you're in the country, you're in, you have a septic system that requires, like, a uh, septic, like, electric pump to actually get to yep. the septic field. It's one thing. But, like, yep. we're on a gravity system for our septic as well. So, it's, yeah, everything is all self-contained. And as long as you got gravity and you got water, you're good to go. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and mine's a combination kind of of the two. I've got like a, a holding tank outside, and then once that fills up, it pumps out to the drain field. So, you know, I've got how many days or possibly weeks before that main tank fills up, and then it dumps out to the drain field. So, yeah, those are things, you know, being a homeowner, those are things you kind of should try to learn and figure out and know yourself because you can you can get by and, and do a lot of things if you know how these systems work and you know, okay, here's where the air comes in and goes out, or here's where the sewage comes in, goes out, the water comes in here. If I shut this off and turn that one on, I can do this. You'd be surprised kind of, kind of what you can work around if you know how your house works. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, after plumbing, I would say the next comfort item is probably your lights. Uh, easiest thing is just have lots of flashlights and batteries. 
Uh, candles work good. You can get these little tea light candles for super cheap at just Walmart or I'm sure anywhere up there in Canada too. But uh, those work pretty good. They burn for a few hours and just don't burn your house down. Just don't be done with candles. Oh, yeah. we actually had that like during that big power. Edge. I think before you joined the podcast, Tyler, we actually had a uh, right across the bay. We watched it happen. Oh, uh, really? House burned down because the kids were using the tea lights and they managed to slide across a lot to the carpet. And that uh, was the whole house. Yeah. Down. Don't do them in the carpeted living room. Keep them like, oh. just be smart yeah. with candles. They're great, but be smart with them. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, solar powered lights. Lots of options nowadays. This is like a little cheap rope light from Harbor Freight. It was like a couple bucks and actually worked pretty decent. Uh, if you got a little bit of money to spend, I happen to get this on my credit cards reward, but this is uh, Ian talked briefly about the BioLite system. They've actually got like a solar charging, uh, comes with like a little solar panel. It's got like an inverter system on it for charging your phone, a couple solar powered lights, and it's even got a motion light on it. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty wicked little stuff. I just got it like a week ago, so I haven't even had a chance to play with it yet. But uh, pretty neat. Pretty excited about it. So yeah, it's gonna. I think it runs you about two hundred bucks. So it's a little spendy, but if you go camping a lot or something, probably something worth having. Well, with the uh, lights too, like just uh, being a little proactive too is not only are you gonna lower your power bill if you get a bunch of these LED bulbs, um, you're gonna require lower your generator requirements as well. So. Yep, yep. Might cost a little uh, front cost, but at least it's something that will save you money in the interim before the power outage happens. It's going to, to mm-hmm. LEDs in the house because even compact fluorescents aren't as efficient as these things. No, and, not, uh, not even close. And I don't think you can even buy regular halogens anymore, can you? Like, well, you we can here still, but uh, yeah, okay. around. But nice. uh, there's certainly not as like the compact fluorescents seem to have taken over, but they, they've got their own issues as well. And they're, I think yeah. they're a little more fragile than these, and these seem to be a little more resilient and burn way less power. And I don't know. I, I, as far as keeping your power bill nice and low, it's great. Like yeah. I think we're twelve. I just got the uh, the bill for the last quarter here, and we're we're down twelve percent nice. uh, from last year. And that was just nice. like I think we've changed out an extra few, you know, maybe twenty percent of the lights. The last twenty percent mm-hmm. that hadn't been changed out. I just waited till the compact fluorescents died, and then put in these LEDs and made enough of a difference to notice. Yep, I've been doing the same thing. I moved in here a little over three years ago now, and every time a light burns out, I just change the whole fixture to LED, and then I throw the halogens or whatever they were in the closet and. If I need a, a bulb in a pinch, I've got them there, but they're basically garbage. The, the LEDs, you can get them just almost as cheap as anything else. So, Well, I guess if you want to take it to the nth degree for prepping too, is like LEDs do have a circuit board in them. So if you're worried about EMP, that is an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the incandescents work without any sort of like if a power surge happens or the <laughs> yep. incandescents will still work. So maybe It's like a whole other world, the EMPs and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, don't want to go with, uh, right down that rabbit hole. But yeah, <laughs> they are a printed circuit board and, and same thing, compact fluorescents have like a couple of controllers in there as well. So yeah, if you're worried about that, maybe keep the incandescence in your closet. Uh, yep. the, the inevitable my plan. attack or something. <laughs> Could happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, after lighting, I would say the next thing I'm thinking about is communication. And, and this is going to kind of play in a little beforehand, uh, you know, probably before the power outage. Um, I would say a minimum, everybody should have some sort of weather radio down here. It's the NOAA. I can't even remember what it stands for. National Observatory of Atmospherics and something else. Yeah. yeah, yep, yep. It's like the main weather service stations. And as soon as, uh, as, soon as like there's a tornado warning or something in your area, this thing starts to blare. Um, surprisingly, those storms pop up quick down here. You know, in a matter of an hour or two, you could go from sunny skies to basically a tornado rolling in. So kind of nice to have on hand, actually. And uh, again, it's one of the multi ones. It's got like the little solar panel. It's got the crank or it's got battery or rechargeable. 
So I would say that something like that is a good investment. Um, other communications, uh, if you've got a TV, that's that's usually what I'm watching just to get the radar. Um, you can watch the weather radar as it kind of comes through as a storm rolls in. Uh, ham radio, if you've taken the time to get your license, which I need to do soon. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no, no pressure. I'm falling behind. The panel pretty much has it now, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, well, I didn't want to steal Alan's thunder either, but yeah, he I think he didn't get quite break the news yet, but uh, we'll yeah. talk about the next week. But actually, the ham radio does have... Um, the ability to pick up, like uh, in Canada, like the National Radio Service uh, mm-hmm. um, does put out, actually had cam radio specific frequencies for weather. So yep. we, had, uh, we had that today with all the uh, tornado warnings and watches and thunderstorm warnings and watches and such all around the area. On uh, the local repeater, they will repeat out any um, weather type related events that are happening over that, that national um, broadcast that happens. So yep. they'll take that and they'll put it over the ham radio frequency and, and just do a little, a little bit of an alert. Mm-hmm. And, play and from that. my understanding, you can kind of set the ham radios up to act as sort of a scanner as well. As soon as they broadcast on certain channels, yep. you know, being the weather channels, then they'll come on to that. And yeah, yeah, our, our weather channel here is just constantly repeating. Okay, so it just repeats the weather for whatever's going on gotcha. that day. Um, so it just it'll go and go and go, and then they update it a couple times uh, throughout the day. But okay. uh, yeah, you, you can set the scan, and then if somebody transmits on a certain frequency, it'll hop there and go, "Hey, okay," and gotcha. we'll start playing that one. So. Awesome. Uh, some other communica- communication would be uh, maybe some two-way walkie-talkies. Um, might be nice to have. Uh, cell phone is probably going to be everybody's main communication device, but uh, if it's kind of a widespread power outage, you know, towers and things can get overwhelmed pretty easily. Um, I know they always say if you send a text or an email, they'll eventually get through. You know, if you're sitting there calling, you might get a busy signal, busy signal, but uh, just text or email the person you're trying to get a hold of and it'll eventually go through. Um, and then, of course, plenty of portable chargers for your phones, tablets, laptops, radios, etc. cetera. Um, having a lot of ways to charge devices is, is pretty important as well. Well, I think most cell towers have like a 48-hour backup generator, but after that, they don't really have enough fuel to keep going. So eventually those okay. will run out too. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, your once your power goes out, your internet router, or maybe even the neighborhood uh, cable node that does cable internet might uh, might be out too. Right. Yep. It's slowly all going to start shutting down. It's just a matter of how good how is the backup system. Yep. Yeah. How widespread it is and everything. Yeah. Yeah, we do have uh, a question in the live chat as well. Yeah. We'll to address that. Uh, it's just from John asking for any advice on keeping cool during a power outage uh, in Texas. Even in the winter time, it can get to eighty degrees Fahrenheit. Oof, that's brutal. Nobody likes to show off, John. Yeah, fine now. <laughs> 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, actually, yeah. survive at all. Well, actually, there's something you could actually Google called Zerpots, uh, Z-E-E-R, or Z-E-E-R, depends on where you live in. <laughs> um, yeah, that actually basically works on the evaporation, and it's basically two like Mexican plate, clay pot style things inside of each other, and uh, they actually will lower the outside ambient temperature by up to about uh, 20 to 30 Fahrenheit. And so if you have to keep food cool, that's one way to do it. Um, also, obviously, you know, misting, shading. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's only so many workarounds you can do before you can't yeah. really escape the heat anymore. But think about it this way. I mean, everybody's forefathers up until what, the 1950s and 60s lived without air conditioning. So yeah, we can too. House construction has changed, of course. but I've seen people who've built like the, they call them swamp coolers and stuff. They're basically just a, a cooler with a fan on one side. And then it, it basically just blows air over like a tub of ice or cold water. Uh, what is it? Salt water. If you put salt in water, it'll yes. cool down. Right. Yeah. It, it cools beer down incredibly well. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. So something like that you could do, but even that's going to require a little power. I know I have seen, like, I don't know the name of them, but uh, people will take like their windows and they'll frame them up. Uh, and then you basically just take like a, a bunch of two liter pop bottles and then you have that larger diameter and then it kind of funnels down to a smaller diameter. And what that does is even a small, you know, let's say you've got a really light breeze coming through, it's going to, it's going to funnel that all down and just like putting your thumb over the end of a garden hose, it's going to increase the velocity. So it'll essentially kind of feel like a fan sitting in front of that window. Yeah, they do the exact same thing in the Middle East, actually. I was uh, yeah. spent a little time on Cutter, and uh, basically they had a bunch of these pipes along the top of the roof of each house. Okay. And that's exactly what they were doing, is they were, like, uh, funneling the air, so it actually, like, took care of the hottest part of the house and just funneled the air right through there and then got it out. Yeah. So, Neat. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the only advice I got for that. Luckily, it doesn't usually get too hot up here. No, that's our, that's our top end for, for yeah. summer. Yeah. There's usually a half a dozen or a dozen days throughout the summer where it's brutal and you really need AC. Otherwise, it's usually manageable, but we pay for it in the wintertime, right? Yeah. Uh, after communication, I would say next thing I'm thinking about is cooking. Uh, I kind of touched briefly on uh, if you've got like a propane or gas stove, that should still work. You're just going to need to ignite that manually. Um, uh, obviously, you've got like your outdoor grill or camp stove, uh, either propane or charcoal. Those are... Those are probably your go-to for cooking after that. Um, if you really need to, you can rely on the good old fire and maybe some tin foil. Always nice to have that on hand. Can make uh, that or your yeah. car's exhaust manifold. There you go. Yep. If you really want to get creative. Um, candles as well. You can heat up tin cans with those. Uh, just be safe again. Let's see. Let's see if we're talking, I guess, long-term power outages. Uh, maybe you need to do some laundry. Or clean some clothes is something I actually built. It's like a little DIY bucket plunger. It's just a five-gallon bucket with a plunger in the top. Uh, put your clothes and your laundry in there and uh, just wash them. We actually did that. We did something extra sneaky. We did. Uh, it's like a shishi wall decoration. It's uh, an antique like washing board with a, the glass that's uh, corrugated and it's got like the extra bumps on it. It looks good as a wall decoration, but when the time comes, if it if it falls down to it, we can just pull off the wall and actually use it to, to there clean you go. clothes. <laughs> so, uh, and actually, I think we saw saw a garage sale for like five bucks. So it's actually it's a, a nice little backup system there. But I'm sure I'd be stuck with that. Awesome. Too, so. I'm looking for design tips when we do renos. I know what I'm putting on the wall now. <laughs> right. Nice that and a bunch of like antique hand powered tools, right? Like yes. hand drills and like the little yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. <clears throat> The hand drills a must have for sure. Yeah. Uh, there. There it uh, is. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, basically, yeah, hand tools are, I mean, they can get them so cheap now at these, like, usually like thrift stores and stuff like that because nobody wants them anymore. So, if you spend two right. or three bucks, you can get quite the collection of, uh, of hand tools. So, yeah. Yep. And it's not a bad idea to have. It really isn't. Nope. No. Uh, the only other tip for cleaning I had was just taking like your empty soap bottles. This is just a empty Dawn dish. You buy the big bottles and then you pour it into the small bottles next to the sink. When this thing's empty, just fill it up with water. The like residual soap on the walls and stuff is enough and it's perfect for, you know, squirt a little on the dishes or in the cup and you can kind of rinse it out, wash it out or wash your hands. Um, and maybe if you need to give yourself a little sponge bath, if it's been like a week long power outage, <laughs> you can do that, I guess. Yeah, French shower or pull, pull of the wipes if need be, I suppose. <laughs> yep, there you go. Wipes, yep. 
And then uh, just a few other kind of tips, tricks I try to keep up with that would probably help in case of power outage. Uh, I always try to keep my cordless tool batteries fully charged. So I've got like the DeWalt 20 volt system and I've got a few extra batteries. I always charge those up when I'm done using them. So they're always charged and ready to go. You know, if power goes out and you do need to do some repairs, at least you're not uh, trying to figure out how to charge your batteries as well. Uh, Keep your, you know, your gas cans as well as your pro propane tanks keep those topped off if if you do need to fire up the generator well it's going to suck when you go to grab a five gallon can of gas and uh it's bone dry because you never keep it full uh, well i think we've mentioned it many times but yeah propane never goes bad and, and if yeah. you get like a a, a stove top that runs off propane you know uh, or nat gas even it's like it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. a nice system to have but yeah, yeah dual fuel generators you mentioned that before too some of them run off propane and again that's a fuel that you know you can always have around and as long as the container's good you're good Yep, absolutely. Um, I always try to keep my air compressor tank charged up. So if I use that for running any tools or filling a tire, I'll usually charge it up so the tank is full of compressed air. That way, if I've got a flat tire and the power's out or something, I can air that up. Do you uh, do you find problems with the rust on the bottom of the tank with that? I haven't had any, no. So I've just got like a kind of a cheaper little portable one. Uh, I know my dad's got like a larger... Like it's a cast air, it's pretty nice, but uh, they put like a water separator in in line, I think, to to help with that. I'm guessing yeah, guess that's what it is. It, as the compressed air cools or warms, it condenses and then forms water, probably, and then rusts. Yeah, my dad always told me to uh, to make sure you drain it every day uh, to make okay. sure you don't get rust in it. And I can see out here, especially on the west coast, is like every time that's I drain cold. it daily, it, it's like you're getting the water spat on you all the time. Yeah, so, um, I've had mine coming up on three years now, and it's fine but it's also inside and yeah yeah it's just like a portable i think it's a 20 or 30 gallon i can't remember maybe it's an 80 gallon i think it's an 80 gallon but uh also keep like if you got a portable jump starter keep that charged for the same reason if your car battery is dead boom at least you can jump start it and then uh last thing i always do is keep a flashlight and a lantern at least a flashlight on the nightstand right next to the bed so if the power goes out and you wake up in the middle of the night at least you've got a light to uh, kind of navigate your way through the house. So that's about all I had. Cool. It's yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, so obviously we missed a, a bunch of stuff. I'm sure. So if anybody has any other tips for power edges, let us know. We can always uh, put them on the, uh, the live stream or the, the chat afterwards. Next episode. Absolutely. And uh, now that I think about it to mention as well from the, uh, the kids episode, we had uh, Jason mention something um, that just wasn't on last episode, so I couldn't talk about it. But to go back to that for a second, uh, we mentioned making, uh, making it fun, uh, making, like doing planning and, and games and stuff. But when it comes time to the actual emergency, we, we didn't mention just make that fun too. So yeah. he wanted That's me to point. make sure we got that out uh, to listeners so I didn't get it out last episode because I wasn't here. But uh, this episode I mentioned it. Don't forget to make the actual emergency fun too because then the kids aren't going to be all freaked out. Tent in, the, tent in the family room. You got it. Right, right there. And even during the power outage, you can do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Even wrap it into this episode. Cool. Let's move into the uh, the podcast challenge. All right. So this week, I uh, just want to keep it nice and simple. So just have a, dev- dev- uh, have a device or a plan to charge your iPhones and maybe get a couple of household lights online. So maybe just something as simple as a universal power or uninterruptible power supply or a battery pack. Anything just to get a few items going. Uh, start small, work your way up. Uh, mm-hmm. No sense trying to like power the whole thing at once, but yeah, just uh, start small, get a couple of devices uh, with a backup system. 
Yeah. If you don't have a portable charger, you'd be surprised how much you'll use it after you get it. And they're like, you oh, can yeah. get a pretty, you can get a pretty nice portable charger for like 20, 30 bucks. Yeah. This pocket yeah. juice, uh, this was, I think it's maybe 15 bucks and it, I yeah. use it all the time. It's crazy. Yep. Especially at work, right? Oh and yeah. So, they're great. Yeah. Any, anything yeah. with a USB port you can charge. It's, yep. it's awesome. So. All right. We'll move into some upcoming events. So we've got uh, TACCOM Canada 2020. Uh, yep, still delayed. We're looking at uh, April 23rd to the 25th, 2021 now. Uh, you can still uh, do the ticket thing if you uh, check out uh, prepperpodcast.ca. There's a link there on the right. You can go check it out, and uh, we get like a, a dollar per uh, per ticket. So we'd appreciate Ooh. you using that link if you could. Awesome. All right. Uh, also, please uh, feel free to attend a Maple Seed event this summer. So they started late, but uh, they are running just like the Apple Seeds down in the States. Um basic marksmanship uh, classes, all-day class. Uh, I get the proper link in the, in the show notes this week. Last week, I sent everybody to a seed company link, which was bad on my part. There's actually like a mapleseed.ca that sells seeds. Oh, weird. <laughs> who knew? So, yeah, who knew? So uh, the actual proper link name is uh, uh, mapleseedrifleman.com. And uh, you can see what uh, local events are going on in your area. And usually, like even if you're an experienced shooter, it can't hurt just to learn some proper techniques or maybe some techniques you hadn't tried before. Um, yeah, so it looks like I'm going to be going to that one later this month. So I'm pretty happy about that. Nice. All right, we'll move into some shout-outs. All right, as for myself, uh, I got listener Cam uh, for getting the next generation into self-reliance. His son was thrilled to get those chickens this week. And, uh, yeah, it's just nice to see the excitement in the uh, the next next round of people coming through that uh, they're actually interested in something other than going to a grocery store. So that was awesome. So good job on him. He, I know he listens to this as well. Um, also, listener Josh and all the others are taking an interest in studying for their ham radio license. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's interested at all that's listening right now, um, PM the show or uh, – yeah, send me an email if you like, and I can send you a Dropbox link that uh, has some study aids for ham radio and maybe just some, you know, some ticks and tips and tricks and stuff. And yeah, it, it can't hurt. Uh, I think everybody that's gone to that link has taken the exam within a week or two, and yep. all seem to have done well. And uh, Rack is has started up their uh, their basic course again. Uh, they're not doing it for free now. They're they're charging fifty bucks uh, ahead to do it. Um, I figured that was coming. They put a lot of time and effort in the into getting the course run, so. 50 bucks is not a lot to pay for, for what they give you. Uh, so that's starting up. I think they're spinning up a new course in September, if I remember correctly. So uh, head over to, to rack.ca if you're, you're looking for a, an instructor-led course because that's, uh, that's coming up. And I, uh, I have a list of all the examiners uh, in, in Canada that will do examinations via internet or via distance. So if that's something you're interested in as well, flip an email into feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and I can get that list to you. Yeah, I mean, the course is nice for sure. I think it's better to take it. But if you can't get a regular schedule yeah. like myself, you are still allowed to like study on your own and challenge the exam. Oh. And like I said, like Eric said, uh, you can get it done online, the exam. So, I mean, there's no excuse now, right? This is like, no, it should be pretty easy to get a, get your license now. And that's the other thing. Uh, they don't tell you, and I learned this because I'm doing the advanced course with Rack right now. They don't tell you this, but they actually record the course. So if it's Monday nights, like the one I'm doing, they record the two-hour course. And they email it out the next day. So you can watch it the next day, but they don't tell you that. It makes it look like you can only do it on the Monday night. The only thing you miss out is the ability to actually interact with the instructor and the other students and ask questions in real time. Um, but the instructor I have welcomes questions to his email and he'll answer them as as he has time. So don't let that uh, deter you if you, you learn a little bit uh, better by having somebody 
give you the information and, and you're, you're an audio type of listener or learner, then it might be an option for you. But with that, let's move into some email and iTunes reviews. So uh, we have a new Patreon. So uh, thank you, Mary, you're, uh, for signing up and uh, giving the uh, the two dollars a month uh, option. We appreciate that. It's going to help uh, cover some bills here and keep the show going. Right, and maybe we'll start getting some swag going one of these days too for some stickers yeah. or something. Make yeah. sure you pay back our patrons over time. If you're interested in uh, in doing that and helping us out, just uh, check out prepperpodcast.ca. There's a link there, and uh, we've got some various options for you. So it uh, it's certainly appreciated. It helps us uh, pay the bills because it does cost a little bit of money to to host this and and uh, keep the files up and, and available for everybody to listen to. Cool. Um, I got an email from uh, Evan. So it says, uh, "Hey guys, I've been listening to your podcast since it came out, and I've really enjoyed it." With everything going on, I've been hitting the uh, preps pretty hard, and I thought I'd share my progress. This year, I had lots of time to plan, plant, and pamper my garden. I've been preserving beans like crazy with my new pressure canner. I've been canning vegetables as they come on sale, as well as uh, not just from the garden. I also expanded my compost system and focused on getting more material in there and turning it daily, which has uh, greatly improved my compost quality. I got my hands on a used chicken coop which I fixed up and expanded to house eight chickens, give or take a chicken or two. <laughs> I plan to get eight or so in September, and I planted some clover in my lawn for the chickens to forage on. Lots of bugs for them to eat as well. I can interject uh, if you plant wormwood as well, um, and make sure they protect so they can't get to the roots. That'll actually deworm them naturally as well, which is kind of a cool yeah. thing, and it's, it's a perennial. Yeah. Um, he also says, I installed a water barrel to offset the dry periods we get in my area. I plan to expand it to two or three barrels next year. I started teaching the kids some light bushcraft, I found it hard to keep their attention until it was time to make a fire, like every other kid. <laughs> we set up the tent and stayed sleeping outside to gain confidence in sleeping outside as well. I bought a BB gun to help practice marksmanship at home when ranges were closed. Uh, for the first time, I put in for an antlerless tag this year, hoping to double my chances of getting a deer for the freezer this fall. My wife and I have been filling the deep freezer and realized it's very small for a family of five. We have plans to expand our freezer storage. As always, it didn't happen if there aren't pictures, so I attached a few. And uh, they were great pictures, by the way. He says, thanks for the podcast and the encouragement from Evan. And uh, nice girl like Evan, by the way. I saw the pictures, and uh, looks like you're doing a great job on that. Nice. Yeah, sounds like you're yeah. on track. <clears throat> yeah. like uh, Yeah. Uh, for the amount of uh, pace he's keeping up, he's going to be well ahead of most uh, very fast. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to yep. get everything done right away, but he's uh, certainly working at a good pace. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I will, uh, I'll bring episode number 79 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. I can't believe we're at 79 episodes already. It's awesome. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out to submit a review. It uh, helps other people find us. And if you've got any questions or advice for me, you can email into the show at tyler at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes you want to flick the light switch off. I was wondering what you were going to have for this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can find me at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me on the live chat there. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks for joining us this evening, and until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.